Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Mac Game Cast, a podcast where we talk about Mac games, more Mac games, and possibly other games with Mac in them, and related things. With me is Sam. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing well, thank you. And Casper, how are you? Hi there. I'm doing well as well. Thank you. Fantastic. <laughs> thank you guys for being here yet again. Our last episode was a lot of fun. And um, for round two, I'm going to try and talk a little less. Also, I realized editing the first podcast, like, I'm just running my mouth for like most of it. So um, <laughs> I'm going to try and throw you guys some more questions because I really like hearing what you have to say. Um, so today's quick uh, upfront is we're going to talk about the Steam Deck in terms of news and how that relates. Some games we're playing, if any. I forgot to do that last time. Um, and then we're going to talk about like gamer preferences, identity platforms, stuff like that. So, Casper, uh, would you mind telling us about the Steam Deck? Um, sure. So Valve have announced a new uh, hardware console kind of thing. Um, it's sort of like a handheld mini PC of sorts uh, with a Ryzen processor using the second generation Zen architecture and an RDNA 2 GPU uh, as an APU package, so all on one chip like you would find in most consoles. Uh, it's sort of like a form factor-wise similar to a Nintendo Switch, but running uh, PC games uh, through Steam, of course. Uh, and it'll run a variation of Linux uh, based on Arch uh, with the SteamOS branding. So uh, all the Steam games you're familiar with that run on Linux will run natively, of course. And uh, like Valve has for their Linux operating system platforms, uh, it'll also be able to use their Proton. Uh, Mac gamers will know uh, of, uh, or maybe know of, uh, Wine and Crossover, and Proton is sort of a similar technology there, uh, forked from Wine, uh, to let it run Windows titles as well. Um, some more or less officially supported and some more experimentally, but uh, in my experience, that run, uh, runs pretty well using Proton, uh, various games. Um, so uh, that's certainly uh, <laughs> the, the news there. And um, interesting from a Mac platform perspective is that the most titles available for Linux, I find, are also available for Mac OS. So I think that more interest in the Linux community for uh, developers will also inspire more Mac games. Uh, but that's just my take on it. What about you, Sam? What do you... Uh... What's your take on the Steam Deck announcement? Yeah, it's super interesting. Um, from like a power standpoint, it's a lot more powerful than a Switch, um, but it's not—it's not like rivaling like current consoles or anything. I think it's—it's it's mm. hard to compare like cross generation, but it's around the same power as like a, a base PS4 or Xbox One, which was released in 2013. Okay, cool. So, I w- yeah, I was going to ask about the comparison to Switch. So I'm glad you mentioned that. So yeah, it's it's quite a bit faster than the Switch, like maybe uh, double the power. But like powers, I don't know. It's 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 hard to like quantify really power because like you have Witcher three running on a Switch, which <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like I don't know. It just depends how much the devs want to optimize and stuff. Um, right. But more power is always nice. So super interesting. It runs Proton. Proton, like Aster was saying, will emulate a lot of stuff. It does have a pretty big asterisk of um, certain genres particularly genres I like to play, like competitive multiplayer games don't mm. really work. Um, and that's mostly due to anti-cheat programs. Like third-party anti-cheats don't work with the emulator. They just think you're cheating or you're hacking or something. I so see, right. Completely block you from playing the game. Um, but in general, a lot of games 
do work. Um, some of them even work close to native or even better than native performance on Windows. So Interesting, interesting. Yeah, what I was curious about, I'm not a mobile gamer. I mean, I own a couple iOS games. Um, we'll get more into that later, I guess. I think, I don't know, I own all of two or three I bought on sale like several years ago. Um, but what you just mentioned, like, oh, Witcher 3 is available on Switch. Um, I think what Doom Eternal was also put over. Um, and of course, you know, from an average PC standpoint, that's considered, or maybe a higher-end console, it's considered, you know, a big AAA, fast-paced, you know, demanding game. And most people pride themselves, I think, well, most people, some people at least pride themselves on running it on, like, their high-end PC or in boot camp or something on a higher-end Mac, and it all being big and bombastic on a screen, and maybe you got speakers or surround sound or something, but then you condense it into this little mobile experience. This relates a little bit to our main topic later, but I always wondered, like, how much, so as someone who hasn't actually played on a Switch, actually, that's not true. I tried it at uh, PAX East in Boston, I think, in 2018, but I couldn't, I was trying some weird, like, zombie game in the woods, and I couldn't really figure out the controls, so I gave up. But, like, can you really get the same experience on something like a Switch or a Steam Deck as you would on a regular PC or Mac? You know, what do you guys think? I mean, um, so one factor is that on a smaller screen, you'll need to push less pixels to get the same feeling of visual fidelity, right? So they don't necessarily need comparative uh, performance levels, right? That's true. Um, And you'll also notice it less if there's less detail in the textures and things like that because the screen is smaller. Mm. Um, But I'm not even convinced that you need this or that the goal is to get the same experience necessarily. Um, Because if you're, let's say your goal is to have a gaming experience that you can take with you on vacation if you're just going somewhere with your family and want a few hours off in the evening or you want something to play on the train or something. And you are the kind of person who prefers uh, bigger, proper games or whatever you want to call it, right? Uh, then you have a way of taking that with you, even if you then also want a bigger setup at home to play at ultra resolution, higher settings and stuff. Um, and for that, there's a place in the market for something like a Steam Deck maybe or a Switch with some games, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's right. It yeah, says, yeah. Go ahead, Sam. Oh, I was gonna say, like, so I've I've been like trying to get into mobile gaming for a long time. Or not by mobile gaming, I mean like the Switch and before that the Vita. Um, I own I own a Switch. I own a bunch of games on it, and it's a really cool form factor that is really really good in the handheld mode and really really bad on a TV. And by really bad, <laughs> I mean like I have a 4K TV. I'm not expecting it to run at 4K, but it. <sighs> A lot of people might have experience trying to run like the old N64 or something on your HD TV, and it just looks off. You kind of get the same thing with a lot of Switch games, where they're maybe running at 540p or 720, mm-hmm. and because they're upscaled so much, it's just as like, what, what am I looking at here? Right. So I, I would rather undock it and play on the couch or in bed or whatever, which is a totally great experience. So I'm expecting to be similar for the Steam Deck. I wouldn't buy one expecting to like sell your gaming pc or your desktop or <laughs> laptop or whatever but if you want a great mobile experience um it definitely has the specs to be really great for a mobile platform right yeah, yeah I was, I think, go ahead i was just gonna say i think they mostly 
uh, try to target 720p uh, as the resolution for running games and stuff. So yeah, it's not probably bad. not the greatest on a 4K massive screen, but yeah. it should be great for handheld. I'm glad you brought that up because I was specifically going to ask. Um, you know, looking at the Steam Deck page, which of course is store.steampower.com/slash/steamdeck for anyone wondering. Um, and at the bottom, yeah, there's a dock too, and connect to internal display, two external displays, wired networking, USB peripherals, and power. You can also use a powered USB-C hub if you've got one lying around. The official dock will be sold separately. More information coming soon. Um, yeah, so I am curious how many people either use it that way or even expect to use it that way. It isn't its primary function. The primary function is mobile gaming, like you guys were just talking about, maybe on a train or vacation or here and there. Um, in terms of um, form factor compared to something like a Switch, how does the Steam Deck compare? Or maybe even like an iPad. What do you guys think? Um, the So screen size, I think it's identical to the new Switch, the OLED model that just came out seven inch screen i think the only the major difference between the two other than power is the steam deck weighs about twice as much um which it it has a little more comfortable like curved grips and a little bit better like controller so to speak so yeah i did like i did like those curved grips looking on the i'm looking at the i'm on the page now that was a weird gesture um but it seems to have buttons underneath as well where like if your hands were resting on it some triggers here and maybe up here so it has more, I guess, controls than I thought it did at a glance. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's almost exactly double the weight. So just something to keep in mind if you like like to play in bed or something. It's probably right. Super yeah, do do people do that? Minutes. Like lay in bed and hold it above them? Probably. Like, uh, I've tried to. Arm arm workout. <laughs> so when you're reading a big hardcover book, like right? That's true. That's true. I do read a lot in bed, so I can I can uh, see that. So what's curious here? not curious interesting is it comes in three versions the steam deck or three variations perhaps 400 dollars gets you 64 gb an emmc hard drive 529 dollars this is all usd 529 dollars gets you a 256 but an nvme ssd so those are way faster like significantly faster i think it's double or triple the read rate or write speed or whatever uh, I guess it depends on what NVMe version they have. I think there's versions two through four or something. In any case, it's a lot faster. Um, and then at six forty nine, the lack of round numbers is annoying me here. Um, <laughs> instead of like six fifty, it gets you a five twelve GB with the same NVMe SSD. Uh, oh, interesting. Okay, if you're looking at the highest end model, it's also saying premium anti glare etched glass. And yeah, interesting. So it's changing the glass. It reminds me of, I don't know, they were offering this on certain Macs or Mac Pros or whatever, or I guess that display you can buy for like five grand, some like anti-glare thing. That was a Mac Uh, display though, I think. Yeah, that was for um, the iMac. They offered it uh, also for the Pro Display XDR, but it was on the iMac. I never tried it, but I think I might've seen it in an Apple store. I don't recall. Interesting. Interesting. So yeah, let's talk about what um, what games I should have done a little more research before I popped on here of uh, what Linux games also have Mac versions that might be a good fit for this. I mean, a few are easy to say. Um, something like Hades, I believe, would be like a really ideal fit for this. I think that's an interesting game. Anyway, never mind like 
the the Steam Deck or Switch or something, though it's on available there. I think Sam, you were saying, I think, or Casper, when you said, I think last episode, it had cross platform uh, saves. I believe that's really cool. Um, cross platform stuff really should be the future. Um, that's a little bit of a different discussion, but it's cool. But you can see in the uh, there's a rotating GIF, GIF, whatever, on the Steam Deck page, and it's showing Hades. I think it's showing Transistor. So we have a few super giant games in there. Uh, showing Dead Cells. I think these particular sort of top-down roguelite action games are perfect for mobile gaming and also good on a PC. Like, they're a really nice hybrid. Um, it looks like they're showing a flight game here and some sort of shooter as well. I can't speak to those because i not clear what games they are offhand or how well. Again, like, when I imagine mobile, like, if I were to buy a Steam Deck, unlikely, but maybe someday I will, especially if I'm traveling a bunch or something. Um I would I would think to get something like a Hades-style game or Dead Cells. I happen to own both of those on Mac, and I've played them a bunch. Um, they're really fun. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, like, yeah, would I try and play a Witcher 3 or a Doom Eternal on a Switch or a, a Steam Deck? Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'd bother trying because I'm... I guess this is our segue into the main topic. Um like gamer identities and preferences is I don't think even if I could, I don't think I would because I want, I'm a little, I'm a little fussy. I want that bigger screen experience with, with a nice sound and, um, or speakers or surround sound or whatever. And, you know, I always buy a 27 inch iMac if I can, I have one right now. So I'm looking for that like bigger scale experience, especially for shooters or maybe certain strategy games. Um, or maybe some game that's more cinematic or something like that. It's almost like a theater experience in comparison. If you're talking about like a Switch or Steam Deck in comparison to like a 20 or 30 inch computer screen. Um, so I don't think I'd ever try. And the Steam Deck itself says uh, it has more than enough performance to run the latest AAA games in a very inefficient power envelope. Um, your Steam library anywhere. You just log into your Steam Deck and your whole Steam library shows up like any other PC. Um, it's built for extended play sessions, apparently, whether you're using thumbsticks or trackpads. So they really do, they are really marketing this to be like a full-fledged gaming on-the-go type experience. I don't know if Switch markets itself the same or it kind of leans more into the some, some more of a slimmed down experience. You guys might be able to speak to that. Um, it's I mean, interesting. It's, it's Nintendo, right? So th they mostly uh, live on their own games, I think, like uh, Splatoon and Mario games and stuff. Right, that's true. Um, and of course, as we were discussing earlier, I think we were. Um, there are a lot of um, Mac versions of Linux games. Not every single one, but a lot of them. Every now and then I'm fooled by the Steam Play logo on Steam when it's just Windows and Linux. I'm like, oh, it has a Mac version. I'm like, oh, oops, it doesn't. Um, that doesn't happen that often, but it does occasionally. Um, but it would be neat that there's probably quite a few quite a few games that would work on here. Um, or, of course, you can always just buy the game anyway, Mac version or not, and play it on the Switch or, uh, sorry, <laughs> the Steam Deck. Um or maybe you already do some gaming in boot camp, which I used to do a lot of. In fact, one of the first things I used to do when I got a new Mac was install boot camp. You know, go through the registration screen, blah, 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 set up username and everything. 
and then for, I would just go and install bootcamp <laughs> right away. Not because I exclusively gamed on bootcamp. I did a ton of Mac gaming too. Um, it was just certain games I wanted to play were only available on PC. And that's part of our uh, existential Mac gaming problem. Um, there's a ton of great games on Mac, but there's also a ton of great games not on Mac. So what are you happy with? And we have all these, you know, as we discussed a bit on the last podcast, if anyone listened to that, um, presumably would have, we ended with talking about how Apple was themselves even talking about, oh, you know, we kind of like the idea of this challenge of putting out a higher end GPU for more intensive games. So um, maybe more, you know, those bigger games will become available on Mac in the future or more consistently at least. But for now, like, I don't know, I have things in my backlog I'm waiting to play, like, um, I don't know, Halo 4 from the Master Chief Collection, um, Dishonored 2, I never quite finished, Witcher 3, I didn't quite finish, stuff like this, um, where it's like, it's not that I don't have enough games otherwise to play, because there are thousands and thousands of games available on Mac, it's just like, yeah, what kind of, what level are you happy at? Are you happy with the Apple Arcade level, where everything's basically some sort of hybrid or scaled up iOS game because it has to run on all the iOS and iPad and everything too? Or, you know, are you happy with like just sort of casual or free-to-play games? Or yeah, are you into the more like hardcore type stuff? I think those designations of like casual and hardcore are a little too, um, what do you call it? They aren't accommodating enough in the gaming space. I like the board game terms a little better. They tend to use light, medium, and heavy which I think is a better gradation. Um, like I would call myself like a medium heavy gamer on average, not exclusively one or the other, but somewhere in that range, I tend to avoid lighter games, but not always. Um, so that's where I am about that. Like if you guys, uh, let's say start with Casper, like where do you see yourself getting a Steam Deck ever? And if so, like what kind of games might you look to play on it? Um. <laughs> Pro- realistically probably not there is a part of me that kind of wants one just because i i like the idea of playing on the go um and i always like tinkering with new hardware um but i probably would not really use it very much uh because when i am at home i'd just be playing on my imac and when i'm on the go i typically have my laptop with me anyway also um and I don't really see myself pulling out a handheld device uh, for any quote-unquote real games. <laughs> um, so, so no, I don't think I'd be interested in, in getting a Switch realistically. But as I said, I also do just like tinkering with hardware. And I, I did wind up playing uh, buying a DualSense uh, PlayStation 5 controller just to try and tinker with it and see if I can make the, the lights glow or the triggers work funnily or something like that. Nice. Maybe just to tinker, but but not really for games, I think. Yeah, I'm also, I'd also, I think I approach it from a curiosity perspective more than anything. But uh, Sam, how about you? What do you, what do you feel in here? Uh, I was so close to ordering one, but I, I know I wouldn't actually use I, I love buying every tech thing. <laughs> so... That was that was my main reason for buying it. And the one thing I really like about the Steam Deck over something like the Switch is I've been very frustrated with the Switch from a standpoint of it it doesn't do anything other than play mostly just Nintendo games. It might do anything. I'm, I'm not talking about like crazy like run around Linux or something on it, officially sanctioned, but like Netflix or 
like Prime Video or it has a YouTube app. I think the YouTube app is the only third party app on the Switch. Uh-huh, so it's okay. if it had a little bit more sort of like media entertainment, you could you could take it places and you could be like, okay, I don't want a game right now, but I'm going to watch a show or I'm going to do whatever. And it also doesn't support Bluetooth headphones. So you can't oh. use like, your AirPods or whatever. You have to That's buy pesky. a little Bluetooth dongle. So and Nintendo does a bunch of little things. They try to get a little nickel and dime a little bit. And I respect that they're trying to, let's just do one thing really well. Let's just have gaming on the go and let's only do that. But like all the other consoles, they have like Twitch and YouTube or Switch has YouTube, but um, Netflix, uh, Prime Video, Apple TV Plus, um, right? Yeah, all the all those other stuff. The one, and then the other thing I like about the Steam Deck, or sorry, sort of on the same topic, because it's running Linux, you can you can do whatever you want. You could you could put a full browser on there. You could you could wipe it and install Windows if you wanted to. Um, right. like Valve has officially said that. Um, <laughs> so, um, it, a lot more freedom, and with that dock. It wouldn't be a great desktop gaming experience, but you could you could have like open office on there and do your productivity work while most with Dean Deck is docked. Yeah, it's a it's a multi purpose entertainment slash potential productivity uh platform. Yeah, Casper. What do you think? Yeah, while it can do all those things, there's I'm thinking about the difference between being able to do something and something being able to do it well, right? Because while you might be able to just use a browser to go to Netflix or write documents in OpenOffice, right, or whatever you want, is it going to be an, an experience that will make you want to do that if it's just mm. the desktop version of these programs and such running on a tiny little display with thumbsticks? Right. And, yeah. yeah, I yeah, think that's a, yeah, it's a really good question. I like how uh, Sam just said, not great. Um and it surprises me as someone who is biased against mobile experiences. Like I said, I'm looking for something more medium heavy um, or something with a keyboard and mouse control. I like to play a lot of strategy games as well. Like, I don't know, how are you going to play like StarCraft or Warhammer or Civ on a tiny little screen? Right? I guess Civilization's turn-based, that works. But real-time strategy games on like a small screen, with it's like, it's why they don't really work on consoles either for the same reason traditionally i know they've occasionally made a few halo wars and i don't even know what else they did i think a voice controlled um tom clancy one back in the day i forget what it was called but that was their solution they didn't have enough of a physical input device so they were relying on voice commands (laughs) to make it work i forget what it was called it was it was a it was a tom clancy game anyway end war was the name yes thank you um so as someone who has a love of that from growing up, starting with Warcraft One and all the Command and Conquerors and Starcrafts, and uh, Feral did a great job on like the Warhammer Dawn of War series, um, um, the two and the three, and I don't know what RTS I played lately. Some indie ones, yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to mention is that Valve. I haven't had any experience with these, but they do have their Steam controller trackpad things, um, which are supposed to be a lot better than a normal controller for what you're talking about rts and stuff obviously not really rivaling a full keyboard and mouse, right but um, you are it has the dual touch pads which are like basically like a one or two inch trackpad right um, right which give you that sort of finer control that, you that would definitely help control. um i had a friend who i've now fallen out of touch with sadly uh thomas used to talk to him for long time back on uh instant message uh, i think what did we talk on aim even or something 
hilarious. Um, <laughs> but he was he was a real technical guy as well, mostly with audio. He was like an audio fanatic, like obsessed with getting surround sound to work and everything in weird ways. He would even go so far as to inject like um, files into his game somehow to make them surround sound, even when they weren't. He would like do all this deep dive stuff. I even tried it once with a uh, killing floor and it worked even on Mac. That was interesting. Of course you have to have a either speakers or headset capable of surround sound, but um, why was I talking about him? Right. Because he had, uh, he had one of those steam controllers with the pads and he would talk to me about it often. Uh, I never got one myself. I could see how he said there was a bit of a learning curve, but once you did, it was very good and superior, superior for him, at least to like an Xbox controller or a PS controller. Um, I have limited experience with both. Um, that would, that would be better. So once again, I think this relates to what kind of gamer are you? There's definitely people who I think kind of exclusively live in certain gaming spaces, like all they play is strategy or war games. All they play is shooters. Um, there's a little less room for that on the Mac in terms of shooters these days for reasons we discussed last episode. And it's like, what's a great competitive shooter game on the Mac right now? And it's kind of like, see us go, I guess. It's kind of hard to recommend anything else. Um, you know, where, of course, on the PC side, people are playing Warzone and Destiny 2 and, I don't know, all kinds of stuff. But, like, those are a few obvious big names. Um, Rainbow Six Siege, you know, is another big one and stuff like that. Um, we still do have competitive action games in the space, as we discussed. Um, things like Rust or Unturned or... There's tons of... Pretty much all the MOBAs are available on Mac, Dota, and League of Legends and all this stuff. Though I don't know if League runs on 64-bit or I heard some... Maybe there's an issue where I think it doesn't run on M1. I don't know. I don't play the game specifically. Um, yeah. Or are you... Yeah, what what level of gamer are you? Where do you exist? Um, are you more of like an indie gamer? There's tons of indie games on Mac. Most of them are available on Mac, which is cool. Um, or are you a gamer who plays a bit of everything, including... The full Mac spectrum, dabbling in, you know, boot camp or Windows, um, or a mobile game or a Switch or whatever. Um, I'm mostly in that category of a bit of everything. I tend to really like RPGs and shooters and strategy, but I occasionally dip into a roguelike or a card game um, or something like that, or just some random indie adventure game or something. Um but I do shy away from mobile stuff, and it's also why I've shied away from Apple Arcade. I keep looking at it. Shout out to Mr. Mac Wright, who does a lot of content on this, content on this, on his YouTube. And I think it's a, there's definitely an audience for that. Um, and they are adding to the service. It is growing. Um, my brother uses it, actually. And this is where I think it's good. He doesn't use it for himself. He uses it because he has two kids. And he doesn't just throw a device at him and go, here, play whatever you want. Um, he's actually a... Uh, a teacher and he's into pedagogics and all this stuff in terms of like how children learn and process information. And this is touching on a topic. We actually want to discuss next podcast a little bit in terms of like gaming and connections with people and stuff. But, um, he like, I forget what the name of it is. He likes to play this game where it's like an adventure RPG. It's got, you know, colorful cartoony graphics and there's a cat and a dog and you can switch between them as the characters. And one of them's like the melee, one of them's like the ranged, uh, I think you can even play it co-op with a little controller. Um, so he has two kids aged like 13 and 9, I believe. Um, so he's starting to introduce them to some gaming stuff because he realized he recognizes where, you know, just where the world's going in terms of tech and digital. He doesn't want them to be 
hooked on it and addicted, but he doesn't want them to be ignorant of it either. So he's introducing it to them in what he feels is a responsible way. But he likes it because you've got to make some decision making in the game. You have to have some awareness of like enemies. You have to change out your gear. You have to use one character, like the dog or something is better against some characters than the cat and vice versa. So you have to make some decision making and some critical thinking. So he's, he's thinking of it from that perspective. Um, so I don't have kids, but if I did, I think Apple Arcade could be a really good tool for that. It's fairly cheap and you get a big library of games. If you're the kind of gamer who also enjoyed them, well, that would just be a bonus because then you get to play them too. I'm the kind of guy who I look at Apple Arcade and go, I would literally never, ever play any of these games, like, willingly. I would never go out of my way to play them because they just fall into that sort of light category, at least from what I can tell, that I just don't enjoy. It doesn't mean they're bad games. It just means they're games not for me, which is an important distinction. I don't think the service is bad. I don't think mobile gaming is bad or Switch or console or anything. I just don't enjoy them, so I don't play them. Like, so why would I? Um, so that's where I stand on that, basically. And I think, you know, when I was younger, I was uh, much less mature about it. And I was just a console hater and a PC hater and a, and a mobile hater and all this stuff. <laughs> I've learned to uh, grow a bit wiser, hopefully, anyway, and be like, yeah, make that important distinction. It's not that it's bad. It's just it's not for me. And it's for tons of other people. I mean... If I'm not mistaken, Apple's App Store is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, like, gaming revenue in the world. I forget the billions they make, but it's, like, bigger than Steam and Epic and whatever, all those other things, Xbox Live or whatever the store is. So that's really interesting. Um, yeah, where do you guys stand on sort of that spectrum yourself or any, any thoughts on that, uh, Sam, starting with Sam? Um... Yeah. So mobile gaming, I I have one, my one guilty pleasure on my iPhone, which is Clash Royale. Um, <laughs> it's the one mobile game I play. Um, in general, I, I don't care at all for mobile games. I, I will never look to the App Store and look for them. Um, and I, I do... I just like it when like big like marketing firms, or, or like Apple even, for example, tries to claim that like we have the most popular gaming platform or something, because it's like, well sure but like clash of clans or whatever mobile game isn't really in the same ballpark as like call of duty or i don't know whatever triple a game like it's kind of like comparing like a hollywood movie to like youtube it's it's just totally different they're both video but they're they're uh they're not comparable really at all um so i have one guilty pleasure and then i for a long time i thought i was the kind of guy who needed the um and I still have it, the, the the specked out PC with my million hertz monitor and my perfect fidelity and <laughs> all that stuff. And it's it's nice. I'm not going to like say that stuff's not nice. But one thing I've noticed recently is I've been playing around a lot with um, on my laptop and on my Switch and with some of the cloud streaming platforms. And I've noticed when I'm playing a game that's good, I forget that I'm playing it on the inferior experience so to speak and my fear i just mean like the frame rate's lower the graphics are medium instead of ultra or something um like as, as metro exodus which is like the new sort of like they just had a brand new like ray tracing version of the game released i was trying it on my pc mm -hmm. everything's turned up looks great i was playing it for like 30 minutes and then i was playing it on my laptop through some cloud streaming and i played it for like four hours and i forgot that i forgot that it was worse on the laptop it right. was just like is the game good or is it not um 
was really the important thing. And I find like those, those little sort of like, I used to care so much about graphics and now I've realized that I, I find graphics, they'll, they'll entice me for the first 10, 15, 20 minutes of the game. And if the game's not good by that point, I just won't ever play it again. Or if it is good, I'll keep playing it and not really care about the graphics. Um, so yeah. Nice. Sam, uh, sorry, Casper, what are you, uh, what are you feeling and thinking here? Well, in a lot of ways, uh, I think I'm similar to both of you um, in that my preference is skewed towards uh, bigger titles, the AAA space, and well, not necessarily AAA. I also enjoy indie titles, but not the the mobile sphere. Um, but I also think that we can sort of cut the the mobile sphere into two separate large categories as well. Um, I see them as like games that want you to jump in, do a quick few things, and then just that's it right the experience is targeted at small sessions uh, and often they're also filled with microtransactions <laughs> and then the more serious quote-unquote uh, mobile domain uh, and i think that one of the strengths of apple arcade in the mobile space is that it it is definitely a more casual mobile experience but it is at least trying to elevate that experience to a point where they aren't letting in games that will ask you to buy something for real money every 20 minutes or whatever, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned, um, did you say a friend or family member or something who had kids and was using it? Yeah, my game? brother, yeah. Yeah, your brother. And I, I think for that, the Apple Arcade service is also pretty good because you get all these games and you don't need to fear that the games are predatorily is that even a word Pre- using predatory tactics to try and get money out of the kids or anything like that and uh, so that's sort of off your mind with that um that's important i think for sure yeah definitely but yeah in terms of myself i am more in the the serious so to speak uh, or as you called it mid heavy uh category of games um Though I, I've grew up, grown up on consoles, uh, so thirty frames per second and medium to low graphics isn't new to me, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah, I wanted to reach back and touch on a few points you both made, um, starting with Sam and the graphics thing. I also, I'm in the same way. Uh, I believe the somewhat rough term is graphics horror. People may not appreciate that these days. I don't know. Um, but I was definitely <laughs> one of those. Um, so I've been gaming for almost 30 years at this point. I'm 35, and I'm pretty sure I started when I was five or six. Um, and yeah, um, the and of course, I mean, a lot of people are visual creatures anyway. Games are not. You know, we're attracted to what we deem well attractive or pretty or interesting or colorful or whatever, or what even color scheme you like. You know, there's like people who complain that Diablo three wasn't as dark and grim as Diablo two, because the color scheme was a bit brighter. And to them that totally ruined the game for them. For example, some people are that particular. (laughs) I thought Diablo three was great, but that's an aside. Um, But is the game good or not? And I think that's really, really important um, to focus on more than this like nitpicky details like is it running at 1440p 60 fps i mean well frankly a lot of mac games won't run at that unless you've got a much higher end machine like a higher end imac or mac pro or something um anything else you're probably looking at like an indie game that could do that (laughs) i don't know i it's just this goes back a little bit to that like 
general Mac gaming audience sort of lack of experience and knowledge and like what will really run. And I just see that constantly in, uh, I'm not trying to throw Mr. MacWrite's Discord under the bus, but he has a Discord and there's a bunch of people in it. And just all the questions are like, I don't know, I just was talking to this guy today. He's like, how do I get 100 FPS in Roblox on my MacBook? Was his question. There's a support channel and stuff. So people ask all these, but it's kind of the same question all the time from different people. And I'm like, well, you're probably for, well, I didn't know, but someone else pointed out the game itself was apparently capped at 60 FPS. So some sort of engine limitation or something they just put in. Um, but I was explaining to him, well, you know, the, uh, you know, the, uh, your hardware plus game configuration typically will determine your performance. And there's some advanced ways. Sometimes you can mess with that, like messing with any files or, um, if you're really crazy, like overclocking your hardware, that that can be harmful if you don't know what you're doing, etc. Um, and then it's also refresh rates of your screen. I think all the Macs are typically 60 hertz or maybe some are 75. So it's like, even if you had a hundred FPS, it wouldn't be benefiting you in any particular way. Um, so that was just that I actually kind of lost my train of thought why we were talking about, oh yeah, graphics and performance. Um, and is the game good or not? Um, and I noticed that too. And speaking of also Metro Exodus, um, cause I first played it on actually GeForce Now earlier this year. And then they released a Mac version, which is a really tip top port actually. Also runs in M1 machines quite well, actually. So if you're an M1 user of any kind, just and you want a shooter or want to get it, check out a sort of a shooter survival horror thing, go to like, 100% get Metro Exodus. It's amazing. Um, and yeah, as Sam, sorry, yes, Sam was talking about on like his Ultra PC, the new Ray Traced version, which is its own version of the game, actually, because of its how extensively they like added to it versus maybe on a streaming platform or maybe even on your Mac, which can run it at higher Ultra if it's strong enough. Yeah, and it doesn't look as good, but the game's so good and immersive, it just pulls you in, and you you do forget. And I've experienced this with other games, like, can't really think of one right now, but same thing, first 20, 30 minutes maybe, or even less. And I'm like, oh, I'm fiddling with the settings and trying to, oh, how does it look on ultra versus high, high versus medium, or whatever. And then I just start playing, and sometimes I'll even forget I changed the settings. I'll go back later, I'm like, oh, I left this on medium, and I didn't even notice. And I just played for hours and hours. And um, So I think that's the mark of what would be our consensus in terms of experiences, you know, the game experience can trump the graphical one, which is also, you know, why they keep making all these retro pixely 8-bit or 16-bit or whatever indie games, and some of them are just mega smash hits. Um, I don't know, Super Meat Boy or something. Um, it's probably more relevant. No, no, Dead Cells, very pixelated game. Uh, I typically don't like pixelated games, not because I look down on them. It's just visually they don't appeal to me. Um, but there's a few that really stand out. Dead Cells, I think, is terrific. Um, what was it? What's it? Something Katana. Katana Zero? Zero Katana? I think it's Katana Zero. Really cool game as well. Um, also a pixel game. So I don't traditionally love them. But the difference is these are like, so you could call them visually seemingly casual games but they actually have a very high skill cap. So they really fall into more like a medium heavy category. But as Casper was talking about, oh, what are, what's the target uh, experience of the game? Is it meant to be for this short, like 10 or 15 minute play session, maybe on mobile games? Or is it more of like a long-term, I don't know, sit down and play a shooter or RTS campaign or something or a multiplayer. Um, so it's interesting to me is these kind of hybrid games like Hades, we mentioned earlier, Dead Cells, I think is a good example. 
they actually cater to both audiences. You can sit down and play it for 10 or 15 minutes, or you could sit down and play it for like three hours or really try and min-max your performance in the game or your, your runtime or your stats or whatever. Um, so that's also interesting. Uh, let me switch the conversation a little bit. In terms of platforms, do you guys have any platform buys? And by platform, I mean Steam, Epic, App Store, um, could even be brand bias, you know, NVIDIA, AMD, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's not 100% the same discussion, but it's a bit related. Um, like brand or platform loyalty, basically. Like, oh, I only game on Steam and nothing else, or only the App Store, though I don't think anyone would say that, but maybe they would. Um, or same thing, oh, I only game, just PC only, never touch anything else. Mac only, never touch anything else. This is kind of that hater thing I talked about earlier. And I think it goes on a little bit more, perhaps between like Xbox and playstation users there's a lot of you know but i think those platforms foster it because well especially from sony who puts out a lot of exclusives xbox seems to have largely stopped that so um casper how do you feel about that kind of like platforms or brands you know where do you land there um so one one quick note on the sony thing is that they've actually started releasing a bunch of their games at least the older titles on pc as well like Horizon Zero Dawn is available on PC now, and there's been talk of other titles coming uh, to PC from Sony's catalog. Right. Uh, I think Ratchet and Clank and um, the Crash games, uh, Crash Bandicoot. Um, so they are at least opening that up a little, a little with like more timed exclusive than complete exclusivity. Um, anyway, so I've played PlayStation a lot throughout my life, um, and I've also had Xboxes and obviously PC games and all that. Um, so I've really traversed all the <laughs> platforms, I guess. Um, and I think it actually, again, comes down to the, is the game good phenomenon that you don't really think so much about the platform you're playing on when you just have fun with the game. Right. Um, and there are some advantages to certain platforms in terms of like, oh, my friends are on this platform, so I can play with them if I'm on the PlayStation Network or whatever or um if you play a game on a pc or mac you might be able to multitask more easily if you're playing civilization you might more easily quickly switch to a discord chat or whatever right so of course every platform has its strength um but really i don't necessarily think it matters all that much to me at least um what was i gonna say oh yeah storefronts so I mostly prefer sticking to Steam just because I think it's nice to have everything gathered in one place. So if I can get something on Steam, I'll usually do that. Plus you get the cross-play thing. So if I boot into Windows, I can play it there. And if I'm in macOS and the game is available there, I can play it in macOS. If I buy it on the App Store, I don't get that. Um, and it's more locked in. So if I eventually am on a Windows PC that can't boot into macOS, I wouldn't have the game there. Right. So because of that, I sort of prefer Steam. Uh, also, you get the Steam chat and you can talk to, or if you have friends connections there, you can do that, right? I don't really have anybody who would rely on Game Center, I think. Um, I also do get things from the Epic Store just because sometimes they have free things, so you just take advantage of that, right? Oh, yeah. Right. Um, so that's, I guess, nice uh, that you can get free games that way. Um and of course, they're good old games, which is nice for older titles if they're available there and, and nowhere else. And they typically come bundled with um, 
software that automatically runs the game in like if it's emulated or something so to make that process easier right um, so i guess i really i'm platform agnostic in that way though i do think i have a preference for playing with controllers so i've always uh, plucked controllers into my mac when i uh, play games where it feels appropriate i wouldn't do it for civilization right but yeah <laughs> so. makes sense yeah uh sam how do you how do you feel about all this yeah, so platform-wise, I have, well, talking about storefronts and sort of the software platforms, definitely prefer Steam for the same reasons. I just like having everything in one spot. And I also like, I think Steam does a good job of those, like, extra little finishing touches, um, like cloud saves and cross-save and, um, like, friend, like just friends and discussions and the Steam workshop and hmm. a lot of things that maybe don't seem like a big deal but then when you go into a different storefront and none of them are there you're just like oh i kind of like that feature <laughs> um in regards to sort of the other platforms i i think i own every platform right now and by every platform i mean like current one like i have a ps5 a series x a switch a pc well, i will have i had a mac uh, as of a month ago and i sold it waiting for the new ones but yeah um, yeah yeah <laughs> so i'm waiting for the m1x or m2 or whatever so my biases have have definitely changed over the years i used to be the hardcore mac fanboy um battling in the forums whatever forum it may be with whoever because you <laughs> run into a lot of people who are like oh well mac costs some insane price and then they pretend that a pc for like 100 dollars would destroy it and it's like well <laughs> not really but <laughs> um but more recently like as i've gotten older and like i got married i'm working a pretty decent job and stuff i find the platform i like will, will change but the main thing i'm looking for is just put me into the game and i don't want to have to deal with anything other than just booting up this game so consoles are good for that and i actually find max pretty good for that too because i don't have to like i have i have, I have a really good pc but like it's just little things like uh well, like Destiny 2, for example, I was playing that a couple months ago. The card I bought, it needed a driver up fix that wasn't fixed for months. So I sold that card and bought a different card. And then it's just like, I just want to play. I don't I don't want to deal with that stuff. Yeah. So. yeah, Windows can bug you with, I don't know, firewalls and updates and system yeah. updates, driver updates. It, I mean, not that Mac. Mac has some of that, but it's much... Um, it's very it's a lot less it's also easier to turn off <laughs> yeah usually anyway um so I, I feel you there for sure um yeah absolutely it's interesting and i, I was curious about this in relation to the m1 and moving forward like will there will there come a day where the m1 or future versions m2 m3 whatever like will they be good enough or, or consistent enough where you could just say almost console-like like here's a game available for mac if you have an m1 or m whatever let's say if you have a silicon machine i guess you might have to specify kind of like how we now have console versions of whatever xbox x and series blah blah i don't know them all or ps4 versus a ps5 or whatever like if you have an m1 you could play this or well actually this requires an m2 to play or later or something like that i wonder if we could get the Mac platform or the Apple, the Mac gaming experience like that straightforward. That would be very interesting if we could. And the M, the, the introduction of the M1, which is now 
eight months old, I think. So almost a year, seven or eight months old, something like that. Um, it gave me a notion that that might be possible. But of course, then we run into a different layer of, well, what are the expectations of running, right? Is it 1080p, 30fps, 1080p, 60fps, or 1440p or whatever? Um, of course, well, if you buy a little MacBook Air 13-inch screen, you're probably not going to have a giant resolution. But we're starting to get into like Silicon iMacs and stuff like that. So I guess... But I guess that's maybe a question for you guys who have more console experience than I. Like, what's the expectation of a console's performance? Is it at all related to what kind of display you hook it up to or how much you're blowing it up or trying to play, like, 4K or not or something like that? Like, does it just always run the same no matter what you plug it into? Or is there some fluctuation in that? Not actually sure. Sorry, Sam. (laughs) Sam. So consoles, I like how this generation of consoles has has pushed sixty a lot more. I'm, I, I'm not. I don't think I'm a frame rate snob, but I do thirty. I can play and I, I can I can handle thirty. But as soon as I switch to a game that has sixty and switch back to the thirty game, it's like whoa, this looks really like stuttery. Um, mm-hmm. If I play it for a couple hours, I get used to it. Um, Destiny on consoles, which I played a lot of hours of, was thirty fps. Um, and then I remember I switched over to Call of Duty on the same console and I was like, Oh, Destiny looks like a slideshow compared to Call of Duty because Call of Duty 60. Um, so consoles will vary, um, depending on the game and whatever the developers have chosen. Some choose 4K 30 FPS, other ones choose 60 mm. and everything in between. So, um, but I would say my expectations for playable is just if it can run at 30 and 30 stable, not like, 30 but really it's 26 mm. um if it's a consistent locked 30 then i i would consider that playable um and if the m1 machines can do that which a lot of them can um then yeah, i think you have a great gaming experience or maybe not maybe great strong word but you have a very playable gaming experience and you can enjoy the game and and get your, get your money's worth yeah it's it. solid it's solid yeah yeah and then what you, you had mentioned oh sorry go ahead i have one more thought about league of legends you had mentioned how it doesn't i'm not sure if it runs that well or not on the m1 i know it doesn't run the mac port isn't great and then so what league has done is they have it's called league of legends wild rift it's it's a mobile game but it's it's designed like from the ground up for the phone um like the apple silicon in the phone and it's essentially the same game just a little bit quicker a little bit less complex but more or less it's the same game actually looks the same graphically maybe they've been a little bit better mm. that runs at 60 or even 120 fps on an ipad or an iphone so like you you could have companies start to so like the original league is this ancient game from like 2008 um i'm guessing it's sort of beyond repairable from like a software <laughs> and like optimization <laughs> perspective. Um, so they've basically scrapped all that made wild rift runs amazing on sort of the latest, whatever, um, caster, I'm sure can speak more to the software side of things, but it just runs like amazing. And your iPhone's obviously silent. It's not like, whereas my 16 inch MacBook pro, which is way more powerful is just screaming when I'm playing league. So it's like, um, I think developers can get us to a point where some of those more modern, titles um take advantage of more modern stuff and then we'll run really well on an m1 yeah casper what are your thoughts here well i think that sam touched on the most important point in my or in my opinion which is the consistency aspect if a game runs consistently at 30 fps i don't mind it at all 
if it fluctuates between just 25 and 30, it annoys me. Uh, and I, I'd honestly rather have a game that runs consistently at 30 than one that fluctuates between 45 and 60, even though those are higher frame rates. Um, because you notice it when it changes all the time on you. But you you can ignore it if it's just stable all the time, right? Um, and I think I played mostly on the prior generations of consoles uh, all the way back to the PS3 and uh, Xbox 360. And most things there were 30 FPS. But most of it was also really stable. Um, whereas on the PC games I play and Mac games, I usually try and hit 60 rather than 30. But it's not really because I'm necessarily aiming for 60. It's just because I find it easier to make sure it's locked at 60 than consistently 30. Um Easier if games have a frame capping option where you can say just be 30 because then you don't go above either. And I I would notice that jump upwards as well, right? For sure. Um, so um, that's sort of my take on the will it run aspect, at least, I think. Um, yeah. It's, it's fine if it runs consistently, whatever the resolution and graphics is, really. Um, and you also mentioned something earlier, John, about the, the visuals of games. And I think that in a lot of cases, art style trumps fidelity or dema- how demanding the graphics are in terms of like realism and, and how well that's pr- done, right? So if a game has appealing aesthetics, that matters. But whether or not it, the textures are rendered in high resolution or if it does lower shadows or whatever, I don't think that's as important as hmm. how appealing the visuals are. Yeah, I would agree too. And I've been, again, like um, run up against my own biases with, not that recently, but some years ago, uh, I think mostly with some indie games. Sometimes I look, I'm just like, this game's like ridiculously good looking. I mean, like the Trine series was well known for that. Um, I don't think I'm going to pronounce this right, but Grease or Grizz, G-R-I-S, the game, again, it was like this really artistic game like visually and the music and the audio um have won all kinds of awards and all kinds of stuff uh i think the gameplay was on the lighter side but and again it wasn't like some super high fidelity ultra graphical game but the combination of its presentation and art and style and music and stuff just really drew people in um the banner saga 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 one two and three another i backed them all in kickstarter back in the day um another game again fairly like simple but just the art is so rich and so well done and layered it's just wow and it's not even really that animated very little of it's actually animated um but it's just so well done you're just like someone who yeah normally would prefer maybe some higher end you know rpg rts shooter game or something is just like i don't care because this is really drawing me in for what it's presenting so yeah the presentation uh definitely matters and of course beauties in the eye of the beholder and all that some people might look at it anyway and just be like man not for me but you i think you can approach a level of close to universal appreciation like okay maybe that that game isn't for me but holy moly does it look good (laughs) you know and i think some of these titles i just mentioned or you guys may have some other examples um could hit upon that um for sure gorgeous i i don't think it's a game interests me at all but cuphead is like everything's like a hand-drawn like artistic scene um, right. like literally hand drawn. So, and then Borderlands, another really famous stylized. Right. Game. 
I wanted to mention, movie. yeah, I wanted to mention Borderlands actually in relation to what you guys were just talking about, and uh, specifically Casper. Sorry, um, in the frame rate stuff, um, we already talked about who ported whatever last time, but Borderlands Three actually has really good graphical options. Now the Mac requirements are outrageous. I'm pretty sure I can confidently say it has the highest posted minimum requirements of any game in history, like bar none. It wants like an i9 processor 16 gigs of ram this is minimum requirements not recommended or something and i think an 8 gigabyte graphics card for minimum requirements i don't think i don't know of any pc game those are like high to ultra requirements on a lot of games (laughs) so the mac port isn't like super well done in terms of optimization you need kind of a beast machine to run it although i think the uh Slightly better M1s can run it, at least close to stable 30. I think the the 8-core 16GB machine, I think, hits like 30 stable on it or very close to it. Um, like, theoretically, my iMac can run it on ultra, I think they're all badass settings. But the frame rate fluctuates wildly. Some scenes, it'll be 60 clean, and then others, it'll just stutter all the way down to, like, low numbers. You know, um, so that's an optimization thing, but graphics to the rescue, they have all sorts of nice frame rate caps, even a smooth, I think 22 to 60 or something weird thing. I'm not quite sure how that works. Um, I've had to mess around even with like windowed mode or uh, borderless windowed or full screen seems to have different effects. There's something weird going on with the Mac. This is a bit of a tangent. Uh, the Mac and, um, windowed or full screen modes. In some games, I don't know if it's just an optimization things by the developers, just switching between the two can have like wildly different effects on performance. What do you think, Casper? Uh, maybe yeah. you can comment on that. Um, yeah, so actually that's probably going to be a phenomenon on Windows as well in some games. Because the thing is that if you full screen a game, and this is both on Windows and Mac OS, um, the game can request to take full control of the display server while it's full screened. Uh, and directly manipulate the frame buffer. Whereas if it's running in windowed mode, uh, it has to draw to a view that it then sends to the windowing system or display server system of the operating system for the operating system to then display. Um, So there's a difference in in the pipeline of how things get drawn on a display there, uh, where if it's full screen, more of that is in the control of the game developer, or at least the game developer can choose to take control of that. They don't have ah, to. Very interesting. That makes sense. I never really, well, I didn't know that because I'm not technical enough, but I didn't also think about it too hard. I just noticed it. Borderlands 3, at least on my computer, is pretty guilty of this. Like, it'll wildly vary from just smooth, amazing performance to really wacky performance based on, in fact, what a <laughs> what I found the best performance is, again, minor tangent for Borderlands 3. I, I happen to have a really strong iMac from 2020, the best you can get, but almost the best. I don't have like 120 gigs of RAM, but I have 64. Otherwise it's maxed out. Um, actually running it at 4k or even 5k, but, um, doing the screen render down to 50%. So it's actually doing it at like half for whatever reason that produces the best results and the most stable. If I just go to a hundred percent render and down to like, 1080p, 1440p, it's not very happy. But I leave it at max res and just scale it down, 
and do some shenanigans with the frame rate caps, it's like really happy and plays really well. Um, so that's a bit of a curious case. I like, we were talking about frame rate stability and uh, we have been talking about earlier, like, oh, I was curious about the Steam Deck. I'm curious about um, yeah, what like Mac hardware can do or even a PC. I think a lot of people like gamers in general, if, if you're some sort of medium, if you're like into it, you know, just a casual person who has a whatever machine and you play whatever, who cares? Um, I think there's this inherent curiosity of like, oh, what can my hardware do? How well can it play this game or this new game or even this old game? I've like I've gone back and checked out um, particularly some feral stuff like Sleeping Dogs and Shadow of Mordor and playing it at like four or five K, you know, just for the heck of it, because I can, you know, because these are games from like five or so years ago um, or even longer in some cases. Um, so that would, that's been a bit of a fun exercise that I've uh, played around with. But um, I think that about wraps it up, gents. Uh, unless you had some closing comments. What I'm mostly interested to see moving forward for Apple Silicon is, yeah, can we get to that space where it's like you have an M whatever chip, you can run the game like at this minimum level, like a stable 30 or maybe to eventually get to a stable 60 or something like that. Um, that would be really cool. It'd also, be, it'd also help the Legion of, well, not maybe not Legion, it would help the Mac gamers out there who aren't as knowledgeable and are always asking questions. Can my machine run this? Can the machine run this? And you just say, do you have a silicon whatever? You can run it, go. You know, that would be nice. And I, I think what makes that likely is that there's a lot fewer options here with the uh, Apple Silicon than there are when we have Intel and AMD uh, processors for CPU and GPU. Because if you're getting an, an M1, it doesn't matter if it's a Mac Mini, MacBook Air, a 13-inch MacBook Pro or an iMac, they basically have the same configuration. There can be minor tweaks in how much RAM you have if you have the 7 or 8-core GPU and a bit of thermal headroom, but it's more or less the same. That's a lot of Macs that's covered under like sort of one configuration. Uh, whereas the space right now, even just looking at, or the, before, I mean, even just looking at the 21.5-inch iMac, you had configurations that just had Intel integrated graphics, your configuration with a Radeon 555, 560, I think, um, and various different Intel GPUs varying from a super low-powered one to a more reasonable desktop CPU. Just a lot of configurations there, right? Mm -hmm. And with the M1, that's all been simplified into just one thing. And I think we're probably not going to have more than two, three, maybe four different configurations per generation of M-series chips. So that really could simplify that. And it could also lead to more opportunities for optimization. Because if anybody has been playing older consoles like the PlayStation 3, if you look at just the raw hardware in those machines, it was very weak relative to the end of the generation uh, PCs you could get. But still, there were games like The Last of Us, which relative to the hardware it was running on, looked fantastic on the PlayStation, right? But that was all due to a known specification of optimization against, right? We knew what processors were in the PlayStation and could optimize for that specifically. But when you have a PC space where even just within the Mac, where there's still limited scope of configurations relative to PC, there's so many different targets to cover that you can't hyper-optimize like you can if you just have a more small, a smaller scope and simplified configuration options. 
Yeah, and just to add to that, once the M1 and like, and then down the road the M2 or M3, or whatever. Like once they have basically a few years of of those chips marinating on the market, um, I was trying to bring up the numbers, but I couldn't find the ones I was looking for. But basically, prior to Apple Silicon, the vast majority of Macs sold. Um, I, I, I believe it was over 75%, probably close to 85 or 90%, where basically Macs that can't really game. And by not game, I mean like they have like a really low-end integrated Intel card and you could play maybe a couple indie titles, but that's it. You're not playing really anything beyond like a light indie game. Hmm. Um, so that means really developers prior to this from like 20, 2006 when Intel Transition came out all the way to 2019, they're basically only making games for Mac gamers who own a 15-inch MacBook Pro, a 27-inch iMac, or a Mac Pro. Or the some very fringe cases where like it was a 13-inch maybe that had a good chip, which there was a couple over the years, but not many. Um, so you're basically only coding for like 15-20% of Mac people, and then obviously of those people, not all of them are gamers, so it's a very tiny market. Now you're going to have these chips that like Casper saying you can optimize really well for, and they're also chips that everyone just has. Um, so people don't have to think about it. They can see your game in the app store or on steam and they can just go, oh, that looks interesting to buy that. And they don't have to necessarily worry about it. Not running period. Like the previous Intel MacBook air with the HD six one five graphics. I think if you try to <laughs> on like Borderlands three or shadow of the generator, you're probably getting like literally like two FPS. Um, and you'd be really upset with your purchase because it's not playable in any way. Um, so yeah, it'll be nice. Just <laughs> millions of people will have this option to play games on Mac, and then I'll hopefully um, be more games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, similarly, like we ended last time, I think it's really it's headed in the right direction for sure. For all the reasons both you guys just said. Um, the baseline saturation, machines will be more playable, more stable, um, optimizing just for more or less one system or a few minor variants, like Casper was saying, rather than a whole whatever Pandora's box of them. Um, that's really cool. I think it'll... I mean, we're, I'm seeing it with... the. Uh, this is where I'm curious, is how much overlap or whatever you want to call it bleed over maybe that's the wrong word will we get of because switch runs on arm doesn't it or arm right and so does now the m1s and the silicons so switch has games like witcher 3 and doom eternal how easy or not would it be to like port those over to either a run on an ipad or b like an m1 type machine i don't know but i'm curious if developers will start looking at it that way or not? I don't know. I, I know think it's gonna be hot right now. Yeah, it's it's gonna be harder to port something from the Switch to the Mac than it is going from Windows uh, to the Mac, even when both the Switch and the Mac are on ARM processors. Uh, mostly because the, the the tool chain is already in order for Windows ports from Feral and Aspar and places that already have the tool chain, but also. Mm. Because most important thing I think I mentioned last time as well it isn't the CPU architecture, but it's the rest of the software stack. Right. Uh, so even if they speak the same instruction stream um, or instruction set, um, something like what happens when you make a system system call to whatever uh, <laughs> specific system call you're trying to do, that's going to vary from the Mac to 
the switch. And when you try to call the operating system's window manager to get a window for it or something, that's going to be different. And all these things matter somewhat more than just the CPU architecture, at least if you're coding in a higher level language, which everyone is these days. Yeah, of course. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. In any case, it's all promising once again um, in the direction we're going. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff we want to cover in future episodes. And something we only touched upon briefly here was like cloud gaming. Uh, that's more or less worth its own main topic for both uh, history of it and use of it and this and that. Or again, the experience of it. Is it worth it? Is it how will it Im- like? Is there any notable impact on PC or Mac gamers and or developers and all this stuff? But that's something we'll get into another time. But that's something we touched upon very briefly earlier when we were talking about stuff we've used. Or Sam was talking about how he played, uh, you know, Metro Exodus or whatever on streaming for a while. That's something I want to get into next time. Maybe not episode three, perhaps on episode four. Uh, yeah, Casper. Oh, just a tiny addendum to what I said before about the, the ease of porting. So even though it's probably going to be easier to port from the Windows version or something like that, uh, one advantage you might actually have if you already have a Switch version or something is that optimizations that specifically target that architecture might carry over. So mm-hmm. you might not be able to port it directly from just the Switch version, but if you've done some coding tricks that are specifically targeting uh, ARM or uh, perhaps tile-based rendering GPUs rather than immediate mode ones or something like that, that could carry over. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see probably more looking at 2022 than anything. I don't expect too much necessarily the rest of this year other than hopefully more Apple Silicon stuff in the fall. And um, But perhaps 2022, we'll see it take off. Um, uh, Sam, any yeah, final thoughts here? Yeah, one final thought I had, I was talking about this with somebody at the IMG forums earlier this week is just the just to make sure listeners keep in mind that like just the gaming market in general is it moves slowly um just because the m1's great and it can run most games probably at least playable it doesn't mean the devs overnight are rushing to port their games it takes <laughs> sometimes years to get those games over um so um i would expect a couple of years before we Hopefully, they're hitting like massive, like long strides, and hopefully, in the meantime, we start getting just a slow sort of almost snowball of uh, a few more games here, a few more games there, and then all of a sudden, I think in a few years, we'll see quite a few games. That makes sense. I like that. Yeah, uh, perspective's important, and looking to the future and the, or the trends or the expectations or the intent of developers and so on and so forth. Um, absolutely important so thank you very much gents that'll wrap up our episode two here and thanks everyone for listening and we will catch you next time bye if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe you can find us on apple podcasts spotify or on the web at www.macgamecast.com 